Luke chapter 10, we have this great story of Jesus sending out specific missionaries, sending out specific individuals to make a difference for the kingdom of God. What Jesus had taught us, he had told us in that model prayer that we are to pray that the kingdom would come, that the kingdom would be fulfilled. We've been taught that. We've heard that. And now, as we look at Luke 10, somehow God focuses us upon the missionary task itself. Notice beginning in verse 1 of chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I will send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and there receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Listen to what Jesus says to us. As he has this momentous moment of appointing these 70, he reminds us that we ought to pray that God would provide missionaries. I want to just give you this this morning. I think this is the heart of the message, is that we are to pray that the Lord of the harvest would provide missionaries. Now, it is our conviction, especially as we read this passage, that the Lord himself is the one who calls missionaries. That God has a specific call upon his people's life. Now, all of us in this place, all of us in some way, are missionaries. We agree with that today? Shake your head for me, please. Stay awake. All of us, in some way, are to live sent lives. God has sent us to our specific context, to our family, to our friends, to our co-workers. He has sent us, and we are indeed missionaries. But we also know that God offers a specific call to specific people for specific times in specific locations. We believe that God will offer a call to an individual to really take his gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, to a certain place for a certain moment. For example, all of us know that we are sent, but some of us are called in different ways to minister. In my personal life, I was 16 years old. Some of you have heard me tell the story of when I was 16, I was at a revival meeting, and wow, it was a revival meeting. Some of you remember those times. I'm talking about when the music was hot and the preacher was heavy. 
in his words. Literally, his spit could somehow reach the eighth pew or so in the little church that I was involved in. Brother Tracy was preaching that night, sharing. I don't remember exactly what he even said, but I knew as I sat on the front pew that God had spoken to me, that God had called me to the gospel ministry to preach. I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I got up. I was supposed to be leading the invitation song that night, but I couldn't do it. I just had to go to Brother David and had to tell David that God had called me to preach. I knew what he had done. I knew that there was an absolute call that had come upon my life, and I surrendered. And let me say to you, there have been days in my life where I have struggled. I've struggled with ministry itself. I've struggled with church life. I have done that through my life. But there's been something about God's call that has held me, that has kept me in place because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what he had asked me to do. I believe God issues a certain call like that in specific moments to specific people for specific tasks in specific locations. And I think that's what you see here. In verse 1 it says that he is the one who appointed the 70. He called them. He set them aside. Now, this, this 70, were, these individuals were actually in addition to his 12, the disciples themselves. And he had spoken to them, and he said, I have a task for you. I am going to send you two by two to all these different cities that I am eventually going to see, and, and you're going to prepare the way by presenting the kingdom of the gospel. He appointed them. He called them. They were to live these sent lives to these specific locations. These 70. Now I know when you look at the scripture you have to be very careful about the way you utilize numbers, right? You can take numbers and manipulate them to mean whatever you want them to mean. But through the years many scholars have seen this Number 70, not only as it indicates completeness, but as it somehow symbolizes the fulfillment of the gospel as it reaches all nations. Why 70? Genesis chapter 10 gives us 70 nations. Genesis chapter 10, 70 nations that are mentioned in that specific context. If you think about Luke, here he is talking about the 70 who are going out that God had called, that Jesus Christ had called, and they are going out to preach the gospel. It's kind of like he again was affirming that this gospel would be to all nations, to all peoples. Shouldn't surprise us because Luke, in my estimation, is the only Gentile writer of the scripture. As much as I've understood Luke's life, he is the only Gentile writer of Scripture. And, and as such, he emphasizes this idea that Jesus is the world's Savior. He's not just exclusive to one group of people, but he is the Savior of all. And here in this passage, when you're hearing this idea that the 70 are going, it's kind of like, again, Luke is affirming that Jesus is trying to take the message to all nations that they would hear that he, he had come, and that in him embodied the very kingdom 
itself. They went two by two, which is very practical, as we would know. But also, this idea of two individuals going to establish the witness of the gospel. Jesus said, you ought to pray that God would raise up more missionaries. That he would raise up more laborers. Because the harvest was plentiful. He says we ought to pray that God would call, that God would provide more missionaries. I think as a church, as a people, that when we offer different prayers to God, one of the prayers that we should offer is this. God, call out from among us individuals for for specific moments, specific tasks. Lord, call them out to live sent lives in specific areas for your glory, for your honor. I think we ought to pray still that God would raise up missionaries from our church. Again, all of us live sent lives. I understand that. But we need to send people not only to Ruston in the state of Louisiana, we need to make sure that we are sending people throughout our nation and throughout this world. And we need to pray that God would work in such a way. Now let me just say to you that there can be some reluctance on our part, not just to pray, but also to go. There can be some reluctance for us to go and do what God calls us to do. Just a few minutes ago, as I was greeting people before the service, somebody asked me about if I'd ever thought that God would call me and my family to missions. And, uh, we were talking about that. I know you didn't mean you were trying to get rid of me. I know you didn't. If it had been your husband asked me that, I know what he would have meant. But I know you didn't. But just kind of ask, you know, if, if God had ever worked in my heart. And, and we have. We've talked before. Leslie and I have prayed before. Like, God, have you, have you called us? And, 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 yeah, there is some reluctance. Always has been in our hearts and lives. Some of my reluctance could be like speech. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have an accent. Could be my cultural upbringing to be in certain places. And, and really, I prayed through that. God, would this be something you would want me to do? And if it is, Lord, knock down the reluctance and give me the heart that I need. Now, I come back to this point that God is using me where I am and that I believe this is where he wants me to be. But if I know I go through this reluctance, I know there are other people that go through reluctance. It is interesting to look at the word in verse 2 when it says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. That word send out is the same word that is used to describe the casting out of a demon. Now think about that just a moment. The same original word here that is used to talk about the casting out of a demon. Well, why do you think the, that Jesus cast out demons? It is because these demons wanted to stay right where they were. I mean, there had to be some extraordinary force to work in their lives to cast them out. And as I read that word, as I looked at it, I thought, you know, that's the way some of us are in our lives. When God is dealing with us about missions, 
Some of us are just like that demon. I can't believe I just said that. But some of us are like that demon in the sense of reluctance because we don't want to go. There has to be that same explosive force in our life. God, we pray that you would send us out. We pray that you would cast out those individuals. We pray that you would work in such an explosive way that you will send people into the mission field. Many of us can have that reluctance. But I say to you, the power of God is stronger than any of our reluctances. And somehow as we pray... God honors that prayer and he speaks to people and he overcomes that reluctance in people's hearts and lives. And he appoints them. He calls them. I think it's through the vehicle of prayer, just as Jesus spoke here. It is through the vehicle of prayer that we see people surrender their lives to missions. He says... Pray. The word pray means to ask with a sense of urgency. To beg. To cry out. Knowing that there is some need that is out there that you are asking, that you are pleading with God. He says, pray, plead with Him to somehow send out, cast out those laborers so that they might go into the great harvest. We must pray. And as we pray, as I said a moment ago, I believe God somehow speaks to people and He calls them for these specific moments, these specific tasks, these specific locations. Acts chapter 13. There the church was worshiping, says ministering unto God in the old King James, I think. They were worshiping. They were fasting. So think of this. They're worshiping. They're praying. What happens? The Spirit of God speaks to them. And obviously all of the church recognizes that it's the Spirit speaking. How incredible is that, by the way? To know that through the normal activities of worshiping, fasting, praying that somehow God speaks in some extraordinary way. And that the whole church could hear the Spirit's voice. And it says the Spirit speaks. And what does the Spirit say? The Spirit says, set apart Barnabas and Paul for this work. Set them aside for this missionary endeavor. So it's while they are praying that they hear from God and they bring forth Barnabas and Paul. They set them aside for missionary service. It marks one of the greatest moments ever in the missionary movement. Because they were worshiping, they were fasting, they were praying. God is the one who appoints. God is the one who provides missionaries. We need to call upon him. We need to beg him to call out individuals from our congregation that will go. That will live sent lives in other areas around this globe. Let me just say to you, 
As you pray that the Lord of the harvest would provide missionaries, pray specifically that God would call us, that he would call individuals from this temple family to be those laborers in the harvest. Pray, ask him. Say, God, would you raise up individuals to go to Chicago and Los Angeles and Calgary? Maybe it'd be a short-term mission. Hey, a specific moment, a specific time. Maybe it'd be a short-term mission that God would call you to. I believe very strongly that God has to speak in that way, in a powerful way. Even as we go on short-term missions, we need to know that God is behind this. That God is guiding this. If you're going to Nicaragua, you're going to South Asia, you're going to Europe, wherever you're going, that you will surrender to go as God calls. We need to pray that God would raise up laborers. But also we need to pray that God would raise up those individuals that would just give up their lives and move and just plant themselves in these areas for the glory of God for the good news, the only good news that can save. We need to pray that God would provide the laborers. We also need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would protect missionaries. Provide the missionaries and then protect the missionaries. Now, I believe the heart of this passage is the provision. Pray that somehow missionaries would come and do what God has called them to do. But I want you to see as you hear Jesus flesh out this opportunity that the 70 will have as he speaks to them about what they're going to face, he also reminds us as his people how we are to pray. Notice in verse 3 it says, Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. He just warns them that as they're going out, they, they are going to face spiritual warfare. That's what he says. Just know that when you're going out, you're going to be like a lamb among wolves. So, so don't always expect this warm reception. Understand that Satan will do everything that he can to stop the kingdom's expansion. So what should we do? We should pray for those who surrender their lives to missions, those who go to different areas. We should pray for them that God would protect them by the power that only He has. There's something about the church itself praying for those missionaries. Now this last week has been our North American missions emphasis. You've seen a couple of videos already. As we've talked about uh, the missionaries who are here in the United States and Canada. And you've heard us encourage you to give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. You've heard about Annie Armstrong, some of you have, for a long time, right? Somebody asked me a time or two, and of course the running joke is, when will we ever pay Annie off? I mean... She's kind of like Lottie. She comes around once a year. We try to give, and it's very important that we give. Very important. Our goal is to church $58,000.
It's so important that we are undergirding the ministry of those in North America who have surrendered to this specific moment, this specific time of their life, to live sent lives in the cities, in the countryside, across our nation and Canada itself. So important for us to do that. We need to give. But don't forget the power of prayer. If we give and we miss prayer, we have missed everything. Yes, it is great for us to be generous, but if we are not generous in our praying for individuals, we have somehow let our missionaries down. E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds gave this statement. I want to read it. The key of all missionary success is prayer. That key is in the hands of the home churches. More especially... Would this success be won by saintly praying in the churches at home? The home church on her knees, fasting and praying, is the great base of spiritual supplies, the sinews of war, and the pledge of victory in this dire and final conflict. Financial resources are not the real muscles of war in this fight. Money is important. But money without prayer is powerless in the face of the darkness, the wretchedness, and the sin in unchristianized lands. I tell you, as I read Bound's statement, as I've studied this passage, God has convicted me that we need to be in prayer, praying for our missionaries. Every day is a battle. Every day is a spiritual warfare. We need to pray for God's hand of protection and empowerment upon them. I say to you specifically, pray. Pray for those we've partnered with in North America. Pray for Matt in L.A. Pray for him today. Pray for Dave in Chicago. Pray for Bo in Calgary. Pray for them. That God would protect them and protect their families and guide them. Those who are going on short-term mission trips, pray for them. Pray that God would give a hedge of protection around each one of them as they go and speak. For those who are serving internationally, some of them in places we cannot even name, pray that God would just extend His grace and His favor to them as they serve. The war will not be won through money alone. The war will be won as the people of God get down upon their knees and lift up these individuals. Pray. Pray for the protection of the missionaries. Pray that the Lord of the harvest also would prepare the missionaries. Prepare them. Now look in verse 4. It says, Carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one alone the road so listen to what it just said he said don't take your bag your money bag your knapsack your extra sandals don't take those things with you when you go along and you see somebody that tries to slow you down for a few minutes he said don't don't get caught up in the extended conversation why is he saying this i mean really it seems like jesus is saying don't prepare i just told you to pray that god would prepare the missionaries, and it sounds like here he says, don't prepare, just go. Jesus is saying, you need to be prepared 
with a sense of urgency, with a spirit of getting the good news to those individuals as fast and as quickly as you can. Don't take all this stuff that will weigh you down. Some of you know that few of us will be leaving this afternoon. They came to me and they said, hey, we're not checking a bag. I said, what? They're not checking a bag. I said, how long are we going to be gone? They said, like 10 days. 10 days? I mean, I need a check bag just for my snacks. What are you talking about? But yesterday I worked and I got everything and I don't know if I'll wear much of I think one set of clothes each day, but I got food for the week. I promise you that. Don't let things weigh you down. He says, pray that these missionaries will have a sense of urgency. See, when we pray with urgency, we pray that God would just call forth these laborers. We also need to pray that God would give them a sense of urgency. I know a sense of universalism is settling in in our churches today. I know this day we have this idea that everybody is good. But let me remind you, the good news of the gospel is every individual is broken. Everybody has sinned. All of us are bound for a place called hell. But Jesus Christ loved us and he loved us so much that he came to die for us. And he rose that third day. And if we believe in him and trust in him, then we have everlasting life. That's the good news of the gospel. And people across this globe are lost and they're going to hell. We need a sense of urgency once again toward the mission of God in our lives. We need to pray that God would raise up missionaries, that he would protect missionaries, that he would prepare them with a sense of urgency, that he would prepare them with a sense of discernment. Notice in verses 5 and following, He talks to them about how they go and how they are to recognize, let's use some missionary language here, IMB language for those of you who've been gone and other missionary training language. They are defined persons of peace. Individuals who are willing to engage and seem to be receptive to the gospel. Individuals who have other influences as well so that they can take the gospel to them. He said, use discernment. Prepare them with discernment that they might see these people. Not everybody is going to respond positively toward the gospel. Not everybody is. He said, there are going to be some locations that you go out in and they're just going to turn you back. Unfortunately, He says, they will know the judgment of God. Unfortunately, they'll have to have a day where they stand before him. He said, but don't get caught up in idle conversation. Look with a discerning spirit toward those people that want to hear the gospel, that that I've already prepared. Look for them. And speak the good news into their lives. A few years ago when I was in college. I was able to go out to the Southern Baptist Convention in Salt Lake City. I didn't go for the convention purposes. I went because our Mississippi Baptist Convention 
have sent us, some college students, to do what was called crossover, which was like a witnessing event, an evangelistic event. And what we would do is we would go door to door and we would just speak to people about their concept of God and whether or not they believed that they would, well, that they would go to heaven one day. I remember the first time I went up to a door and knocked on it. I stopped and I prayed. God, please don't let anybody be at home. <laughs> I'm being very honest with you. I was scared to death. This North Mississippi boy had not been out of North Mississippi very often. And didn't know much about it. And all I was, knew I was supposed to go up, knock on that door. When they came to the door, just begin the little survey that I had. I remember one of the first houses I went up to. And like I said, I prayed that nobody was home. I looked over to the side. It said, protected by a Colt 45. I thought, well, you know, that's just a figure of speech. That's the way... When I knocked on the door, nobody came. I thought I was good. I was walking away. This guy walked from around the house. And do you know what? He had a pistol on his waist. said, this is going to be awesome. I'll run. We had gone two by two. I was about ready to run. Let my partner witness to him for just a moment. But there was one area that we got into that were, they were, this area was dominated by the religious leaders. And you know what they do? They'd try to come, bring us in give us sandwiches. They were very nice, very welcoming. They wanted to take up as much time in our lives so that we wouldn't be able to get down the street to others. We found this out. Let me say to you, not everybody will respond and some people will try to slow you down, but my friend, you keep going because there is somebody that's going to say yes. There's somebody that is there, and we need to pray that God would give the discerning spirit to these missionaries. And finally, let me just say this quickly. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would, would prosper missionaries. Notice the title again, Lord of the harvest. Who gives the harvest? It's the one God we serve. It is the Lord himself. You and I don't produce the harvest. All we go out and do is labor. We work the fields. And just like any farmer who goes out and works the fields, no, it's not just dependent upon you. It is dependent upon what God does in preparing that field and giving the rain and giving everything that is necessary for those crops to grow. So what we pray is, God, prosper. Bring the harvest later on. You ought to go home and read the rest of this chapter. But later on it says, in verse 17, the 70 returned and they, got, they have joy in their hearts and lives because they've seen God's movement and God's power and God's work. They have joy. It says that Jesus, he responds with joy. Some have said this is the only time this word's used to describe Jesus himself in this sense of rejoicing, this particular word that's used here. Jesus rejoiced because he had seen the harvest. He had seen those who had responded. He had seen, hey, 
Jesus said, I think I've just seen Satan fall from heaven itself, from the sky itself, from heaven. Now, I know some of us would take back, well, isn't that the case? He was cast out. Yes, I understand that. But I think what Jesus was saying based upon my study is, hey, the opening shot of the war has been fired and Satan has fallen. The kingdom of God has drawn near and already his kingdom is being defeated. I see what's happening now as the grace and the glory of the Father is descending upon this place. And he rejoiced. Psalm says, the psalmist, Psalm 2.8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God, I pray you give us the nations. God, I pray that you would give us the nations. That they might hear your goodness, they might hear your grace, and they might come around your throne and worship with us. So that one day, every tribe, every tongue, every individual will join us around the throne of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And worship and praise him. We pray that the Lord of the harvest would prosper the mission and the missionaries. Oh, what a challenge. Would you join me today in praying? Would you ask him, would you beg of him that he would provide the missionaries, that he would call them forth from right here, not just from everybody else, but from us, that he would call forth the missionaries, that he would provide, that he would protect, that he would prepare, and yes, that he would prosper. May we pray today that the Lord of the harvest would give us the nations. Because he says the harvest, it's plentiful. There's plenty out there. There are a lot of individuals that are just waiting for the kingdom to come near. Would you pray with me today that God would grant us the necessary strength, empowerment to fulfill his purpose. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would invade this place right now. I pray that you would speak to hearts and lives. Some who are just on the fence, Lord, about giving their lives to full-time missions. Those, Lord, who have been struggling with maybe a ministry here in North America or maybe around this globe, Father, I pray that you'd speak to them in a powerful way and that they would surrender finally to that call upon their lives. God, I pray for those in this place that need to surrender to a short-term trip. Father, I pray that you would speak to them, you'd give them confidence today, and that, Lord, you would assure their path they follow you God I do pray for Matt and Dave and Bo and so many others across North America Lord every day they come under contact under this contact with Satan himself 
conflict, Lord. I pray that you would empower them, those across this globe. Father, that you would protect them, that you would prepare them, that you would prosper their efforts. Help us not to be just a giving church, but help us to be a praying church. And help us to see your work fulfilled here. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?